what the Lord had been talking to me about is that Christ-centered church is being called or has been called into a season of sacrifice. We're doing 40 days of fasting this year, opposed to the 21 days that we normally do in January. And boy, I've been getting some dirty looks behind that. I look at myself dirty too. When I'm trying to figure out, when I've been traveling lately, I've been trying to figure out what I'm with, I'm like, dude, why? Then I was like, Holy Ghost, why? Because the Lord is calling us, has called us into a season of sacrifice. So I want to start a series today called The Power of Sacrifice. So I want you to open your Bibles, turn in your devices to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to look at our text today. This text may not be uh, unfamiliar. It's probably not unfamiliar, or it's probably familiar, I should say, to uh, most of us in the room. But I want to read about 12 verses, or 19 verses, rather, and kind of lay out this story and see if we can get to the end of it today. But I am not committed to finishing today, so it's okay. So here, here it is. Genesis 22 and 1 reads in the New King James Version. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Everybody say tested. <laughs> yeah, this is why I say this one ain't easy. And he said to him, Abraham. Abraham responds by saying, here I am. Then he said, take now your son your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Morah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the, burning, for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4 says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, son. Well, here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, 
and multiplying. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and of the sand um, on which the sand which is on the, the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So far, our scripture reading today, I want to start this series real simple, the power of sacrifice. So here it is. Whenever, I don't have a lot of stuff for you to write down today, so you can, as, as most of the time when I do a narrative teaching, I let the Holy Spirit lift and highlight to you that which you need to get out of this text, okay? But I do want to start by saying this to you, and you can write this down, that whenever God is ready to move to the next part of his promise to you, he calls you into a season of sacrifice. Yeah, I felt the same way. Whenever God is ready to turn the corner, he turns the corner by calling you into a season of sacrifice. Because God right now has started testing us for the next place in his plan. Our teaching today starts off at that place. It starts off by saying that God wanted to test Abraham. So when God tests, he tests by sacrifice. It's just like when we were coming along. We knew that we had a major test. Well, when I was coming along, I knew I had a major test in class when I walked into class and the teacher had the Scantron sheet on her desk. I hated Scantron sheets. I still hate them. I see them like I can see them right now and just make some shit. I hate them. Hate Scantron. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so here's what I want you to know about this sacrifice because at the core, listen, at the core of sacrifice is the desire to merge oneself into God from whom that person came. At the core of sacrifice, it is the desire to be one with God. Here's the thing you got to know about sacrifice. When sacrifice has started, the first time we see sacrifice in the text of Scripture in Genesis was with um, Cain and Abel. Okay? Here's the deal. And you got to be careful with this because based on the way we see it in the text of Scripture, we never see it commanded before Exodus, we never see sacrifice commanded, which kind of makes people feel like sacrifice was something that man came up with. Don't be tricked. That's not the case. Because the sacrificial system through the history of the Bible is established so man can have relationship with his maker. Hear me with, with this sacrifice piece. Sacrifice is the outward sign of an inward desire. In other words, we're saying, God, I want to be one with you. I want to I be in you, and I want you in me. And in order for this inward thing to have any kind of sign to it, I have to put some stuff on the altar. You can write this down. I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I feel like you need to hear it. Sacrifice is a calibrating mechanism for relationships. <laughs> we don't want to hear that. How do I know we got a good relationship? Because you're willing to make some sacrifices for me. Sacrifice is the tool that says, oh, now I know how you really love me. You really love me for what you're, because of what you're willing to give up. And see, we think we're doing something when we're testing our relational partner or family members or friends, whatever it is. But this is what God has in place. It's the tool that he uses to see, do we really have 
what you profess that we have, what you willing to give up? It's the whole process with the two become one in marriage. Somebody got to give up something. Somebody's got to give up something. It starts at, 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 at the foundational root, like what we going to eat today? I won't stay. I won't pasta. Who's going to sacrifice so we can eat? Are you hearing me? Sacrifice is the calibrating mechanism. God sits, sacrifice, in the line of connection between us and him to see where we are. See, we don't like to talk about this, so let me forewarn you, this series is not about money, but it is about offering. It's about offering. Because in the season of sacrifice, God uses it to test us to see where we are. Y'all read about that? Y'all read? Every relationship you have, it comes down to sacrifice. What you willing to give up from there for them, and what are they willing to give up for you? Let it breathe. Let it breathe. You got a friend who never compromises? Y'all don't have a relationship. Come on. At the root of the word relationship is the word relay, to go back and forth, a handoff. And the, the way we know that the handoff or the relay is good is that we got to test the line. Vince came to our house and was putting up a ceiling fan, and we was having some challenges. He's like, Pastor, I think something's going on with this line. He says, wait a minute, let me test it. And he has this tester with two prongs that he can stick in, the, in, the, uh, in your outlet, socket outlet. You can just stick both of them in there. You know how you've been taught all your life, don't stick nothing in there. Because the machine has been calibrated in such a way that the one who holds it can stick it into a live socket and not be harmed because the mechanism is designed to test the signal. And God said, my tester, you can't buy it rid of your shack. The tester that I use is called sacrifice. Now you could talk all day about how much you love Jesus. The test happens in the sacrifice. Listen, real sacrifice causes you to give up something that you love. If you don't care nothing about it, it's not sacrifice. Yeah, I ain't going to finish today. I already see. If you don't care nothing about it, don't offer it up. You ain't doing nothing. Give it all them clothes to Goodwill for the tax write-off just so you could clean out your closet. And what you say anyway? I don't wear that no way. So you don't feel it. You see what I'm saying? When you start giving people stuff that you have, now we're talking about sacrifice. Because remember now, when God calls Abraham, he says, bring me your son, and then he qualifies it. Your only son. <laughs> watch it. Watch it. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I might as well go. Let me see how far ahead of myself I am. Am I? Um... Yeah, uh, okay. Well, I'm good. I'm good. So let me back up just a little bit because I, I feel God pushing me back. I hate these sermons because I, it's like, I don't even want to, I, I just want to like open your heads and just pour in out of my head so we can open both of heads, just pour in and we can just go home because now I got to explain it to you so you can get it, but uh, it's like bubbling over. So anyway, so God and Abraham have this up and down relationship, okay? Remember this. God calls Abraham out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, okay? When you go back to it, God calls a guy 
who doesn't even know who God is. Because Abraham was not a worshiper of the true and living God. He was a worshiper of Ur, the God of the Chaldeans. Okay? So when God says, Abraham, this whole father of faith is really a big deal here because Abraham starts following a God that he wasn't raised to worship. So when God calls him, Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. Leave your mom and them. Leave your daddy's house. All the place where you have status, where you have influence, where you have control, where you have comfort. Leave it and follow me. Now, I will tell you that Abraham is definitely a guy of faith because I'm the guy that would have been like, wait a minute. First of all, who are you? Secondly, why would I leave all of this? I feel like said Fred Sanford, why would I leave this empire <laughs> to follow you and I don't even know you? Not only do I not know you, you've not given me a specific destination. So I can't put it in ways to find out how long it's going to take me to get there. So you just want me to leave it all to follow you to a place where I don't know. Tim would have been like, let me pray about it. <laughs> let me pray. Let me pray to my God <laughs> about you, somebody else's God. Abraham was like, I'm down. Let's go. So they start this relationship. And they start this relationship where Abraham starts trusting. And then as Abraham starts trusting, God starts having this relationship with him. So uh, he calls him, he answers, he goes, he trusts. God starts opening doors for him, making ways and arrangements for him. Some great stuff. You got to go back and read it. But now, you know, this is up. In the down part of the relationship, Abraham, like, I don't know. I don't really know you. And I don't know how you're going to come through for me. So he goes to a place where his wife was desired of other men because his wife was hot and he knew his wife was hot. So he says, before I go in here, wife, you are not my wife, you're my sister because they may try to kill me to get at you because you're so hot. And so he goes into the land with her and that's exactly what they, they were like, oh, who is that? She hot to death. They was like, dude, that's your wife? And he was like, no, nah, that's my sister. That's your sister? Then the king was like, bring her over here. Bring her to the house. The word gets out somehow that that's really his wife. And the king was like, dude, you about to have me messed up with your God, my God, everybody God, because I'm about to take your wife. Why would you lie? I thought y'all was going to kill her because she's so hot. I thought y'all was going to kill me to get her because she's so hot. It was a sign that he didn't trust God. So he took matters into his own hands. That ain't what I'm preaching about. So, up and down. So then we get to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is about to, you know, kids like, hey, hey, get you and your people out of here, Abraham, because you're you my dude, but I'm getting ready to wipe this out. So get, come on, get, get light, get all them out of here, we got to wipe it out. And so they start having a conversation, like, ho, 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 God, maybe you shouldn't wipe them out. And God consults with Abraham on how to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Abraham's like, hey, if you got a few righteous people in there, would you not? He's like, I'll tell you what. I'm down with that. Go in there and find me 10. He goes in there and he can't find nobody. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, in Sodom and Gomorrah, boy, they was ruthless. Y'all go read it. I ain't got time for it. So, uh, in other words, I'm trying to establish that they have this relationship. Okay? Up, down. Trustworthy. I'm trusting you today. I'm not trusting you. God, God says, I'm still going to bless you. I'm not going to change my mind about you. You know, this is, this is to me the story of the Christian walk. God calls us. We love him. Then we stray off from that love. And he calls us back and we love him some more. And we stray off from that love. But yet and still, he's still saying that the promises I've made to you, I'm not going to change my mind. You're still worthy. I still see greatness in you. Come on back here. Let's do this thing again. You know what I'm saying? You got to love a God who loves you enough to keep loving you in spite of you. So, they get to this place where God is ready to make some shifts in the promise. God's like, okay, 
we have established great relationship. I've made some promises to you, Abraham. I'm ready to turn the corner on these promises. Let's get this thing going. And listen, this is an, an exciting time in the spirit to me in this season for Abraham because God is ready to do something new. He's ready to push the envelope on the promises he's made. Because now sometimes that's my thing. Now, God, you made me a lot of promises. Why I don't see them yet? You know what I'm saying? That's why y'all heard me say that when, uh, when I get down sometimes, I call my sister and say, tell me what the Lord showed you. Because he, he ain't turned it on my TV yet. So can you tell me what he showed you? And I'm just going to live in what you have seen. Because that, those moments happen where you feel like, God, when? When are you going to do it? You keep saying to do it. Preachers keep preaching, get ready, get ready. God is getting ready to do. When? Now I'm understanding that God's probably saying, I've been ready. But you keep failing the test. So now he's ready. He says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, to a place where I will show you and burn him to death for me. Now watch. Let's go ahead and clean this up because the reader knows that it's not going to happen. God knows that it's not going to happen. But Abraham does not know. He don't know. So now you got to go back and understand this other's history too because God promises to bless Abraham and he says to Abraham, um, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham was already an older guy, and he was like, how are you going to do this? I'm old, and I don't have any children. The Lord's like, I got you. It took 25 years for the promised child to come. They were 100. I think that was 100 years old by the time the baby came. And because that 25 years, they got tired of waiting. This is another part of this relationship. Sarah says to her husband, hey, why don't you go into your concubine? Maybe that's what God meant. Maybe God meant that, you, that we was going to help him, and that's how we was going to have a kid. Because you know my junk ain't working. And if we wait too long, your junk ain't going to work no more. So maybe we can do it this way. And Abraham looked at the concubine and said, I think you're right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's do this. So they have this baby named Ishmael. Ishmael really represents the son of flesh and not the son of promise. So, with all the blended family issues that come along with it, Sarah, who was the one suggested it, started resenting Ishmael's mama. Long story short, she said, Abraham, send her on the way. Give her all the child support, let her go on by, this business, by, by her business. Even that was a plan of God, because although God blesses Ishmael, you got to go back and read the story. I ain't got time to deal with it. He blesses him. The, what God really recognizes was his plan. His plan was Isaac. So now God says to Abraham, give me your only son. Okay? And I'm saying he's the only son because he was the one I told you that I was going to give you. He's the only one. Ishmael has gone on down the road with his mama. Bring him to me. Kill him for me. We know the end. God knows the end. Abraham does not. So the Bible says that Abraham, in hearing the command, gets himself together and gets ready to go to kill his son. Watch this. Abraham has no question, neither does he negotiate with God. Abraham's a good guy. God chose the right dude. Because I'd be like, wait a minute. God, are you serious? Do you know how long I had to wait for him? My other son is gone. His mom won't even let me talk to him. You want me to kill, as you would say, my son, my only son? What's going on? The Bible says that Abraham does not say anything. Can I interject here for you? Maybe you have a question 
How do I handle my seasonal sacrifice? Can I tell you right here real quick? Let me give you three things. This ain't my lesson yet. We ain't even there yet. I'm going to give you three things. Here's number one. When God calls you in a season, into a season of sacrifice, you got to, number one, be obedient. Abraham gave no pushback. He started chopping wood, making plans. Because God said, because see, listen, in Hebrew tradition, the Hebrews believed that God had the right to claim your firstborn. So he probably wasn't surprised at the ask. Listen, but he had the right to question because actually he wasn't my firstborn. Ah, you see? Abraham said, I'm not getting ready to argue with you. This is what you want. This is what you're going to get. Number two, when God calls, calls you into a season of sacrifice, number two, be quiet. I'm casing the room. Shut up. Don't say nothing. Here's number three. When God calls you into a season, be calculating. What do you mean? I'm going to show you. I may even end it right here. We're going to see. Because I'm so excited. I don't want to sit on this for a whole week. I'm just going to be like bursting at the same. So listen. When God calls Abraham into a season of sacrifice, Abraham in the whole story only says about three or four things. Number one, Abraham, God, say, uh, uh, God calls, Abraham says, here I am. Bring me your son, burn him on the altar. He says nothing else. He gets everything together. They start walking. Listen, for three days, the text does not record anything being said for three days. On the third day, the Bible says he lifts up his eyes and he sees the mountain. And he tells his servant, hey, stay here for me and the boy go to worship and we will return. The next thing is he and the boy started walking to the place of sacrifice. And Isaac finally speaks. Isaac says, Daddy, I, I see the fire. I see the knife. I see the rope. I'm carrying the wood on my back. But there is no lamb. His daddy says, Son, the Lord will provide. Listen, what's calculating, Pastor? When you're in a season of sacrifice, stop talking, but be calculating enough that when you do speak, you're speaking faith-filled words. Because if you don't, you might turn around. At the place where God calls him was faith because he responds and says, here I am. That's a faith statement that says, I'm giving myself to you. That's all he said. He didn't start saying, but Lord, I got a few things I want to talk to you about. He didn't say none of that. He just says, here I am. Let me not talk for I talk myself out of this. The next thing he says to the guy, he says, hey, y'all hang out right here. Listen, faithful statement. Me and this boy going to go up here and worship, and we going to return. I know I'm called to kill him. But if I say anything less than faith, I might change my mind. Isaac starts questioning daddy. I ain't saying nothing to y'all all in three days. But now I see we're about to go on. 
to this place. I don't see no lamb. Abraham says in himself, I better not have no deep conversation with him. I better not tell him, listen, son, this is what we're going to do. Because if I say too much, I'm going to talk myself out of this. Watch this. And my son might run. So what I got to keep doing, oh God, I feel God in here. What I got to keep doing is speaking faith. Y'all ready? This is why you got to be obedient in the season of sacrifice. You got to be quiet in the season of sacrifice. And you got to be calculating. Watch your words. Watch your words. Be careful. See, when you're going to sacrifice your Starbucks and your Chick-fil-A so you can give an extra $7 every week, when the kids say, well, why we can't go to Starbucks or why we, why we can't go to Chick-fil-A? You might not need to have a long conversation with them about it. You might need to say to them, the Lord will provide. Because <laughs> if you start having a conversation, you'll be like, because Pastor got this wild hair up himself that's just talking about he wanted everybody to give $7. And you know what? Forget this. We're going. Come on. We're going. <laughs> Faith feel. Words. Can I take y'all to the next place? Here's what God is saying. Listen, this is why this season is so powerful to you. When Abraham talks to Isaac and says to Isaac, Daddy, where is the lamb? Isaac says, son, I mean, dad, uh, Abraham says, son, the Lord will provide. Look, they go all the way up the mountain. Build an altar. Abraham takes Isaac, wraps his hands, wraps his feet, lays him on the altar, draws a knife, and Isaac never says nothing. And I said, God, why? He said, son, when I call you into a season of sacrifice, if you handle it right, your next generation will be people of faith because you handled the sacrificial season the right way. And because Abraham handled it right, Isaac had no, no, nothing else to do but trust. He said, I ain't gonna say nothing else. You know why? Because I seen you, daddy. I seen you respond to God. If you go back in the text now, God calls Abraham, Abraham, God says, uh, Abraham says, here I am. When you go forward in the text and Isaac calls Abraham, Isaac says, Father, Abraham responds, here I am. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isaac said, wait a minute. I hear that you respond to God like that. You responding to me like that. Daddy, you ain't got nothing to hide. There must be something to this faith. So if God answers, if you answer God, answer God, I'll answer you because I've seen you answer him. And the way I've seen you carry out your faith regarding him is the same way I'm going to carry out my faith regarding you, even though you are tying me up and putting me on the altar. I ain't going to say nothing. God wants your next generation to be faith-filled Life-giving people, but it's based on how you handle your sacrificial seasons. He's calling you to a season of sacrifice. Can I do it? All right. Let's go. I'm about to go. Y'all ready? Everything Abraham says is faith-filled. Let me tell you why. People who trust God have the fruit of obedience in their lives. I can tell who does not trust God because their fruit is disobedience and rebellion. Bottom line, he didn't question God because he trusted him. So in trusting him, it produces, listen, trusting God calls forth faith. And faith 
calls forth obedience. Distrust causes disobedience and rebellion. He trusted God all the way through. So they get up here to the mountain. And I love it because when they separate from the, uh, the donkey and the servants, the Bible says that he gets the wood, he gets the fire, he gets the knife. In this season of sacrifice, guys, there's, some, there's just some instruments you're going to have to keep around you. You're going to have to keep the fire around you so you can burn away stuff that shouldn't be there. You got to keep a knife so you can cut off people that shouldn't be there. You're going to have to do it. This is, this is proverbial. This is spiritual. This is, this is a metaphor. <laughs> Cutting people I'm talking about is a metaphor. Get, get you, okay? Get right. Because I, I hear you. I'm like, yeah, Pastor, there are some people I need to cut. That's it, cut. Cut off, not just cut. So listen. They go. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to go. They keep moving, guys. They get to the top of the mountain. And the Bible says that Abraham builds an altar. This is where everything changes. It is at the altar. Let me say something. There is no such thing as sacrifice if there's not an altar and if nothing dies. Hear me. Quit telling me you sacrificing for me and ain't nothing dead in your life. There should be an altar somewhere in your life that has burn marks because you keep killing stuff just so our relationship will be right. I can't get no talk. I can't get no talk. Ain't no, ain't no, oh, wait. when you meet people and y'all start dating or being friends and buddies and road dogs, eventually you ought to pass a room in their life that's just black. Got a lot of soot. And when you pass that room, you say, hey, 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 what is that? They ought to say to you, oh, that's my altar room. That's the stuff that I have to kill in order for us to have a relationship. There ought to be a room in your life for God that's called your sacrifice room, your altar room, because you can't have good relationship with God if you're not sacrificing something every day. <laughs> you got to put that cuss man on the altar, yo. You can't keep cussing and talking about I love Jesus with the same cuss mouth. Come on, man, you, you got to have an altar in your life that you kill stuff. You can't keep, listen, in order for you to build an altar, you're probably going to have to kill the weed room. In order to build an altar, you got to kill the liquor room, the porn room, the adultery room, and you got to remodel that room. And I tell you what, if you got those rooms, I dare you to build an altar in all of them. Listen. Because, listen, this is what my pastor would say. My pastor Darius Daniels would say it like this. Your life has to be, if you're going to have a relationship with God, your life has to be altered. Not A-L-T-E-R-E-D, but A-L-T-A-R-E-D. Because you got to have a life that has been altered if you're going to keep a relationship with God. Y'all hearing me? And the reason some people say, Pastor, I can't see this. I can't see giving you $7 because you're not giving it to me. You're giving it to the church. You're giving it to the Lord. But I eat. Okay, okay Pastor, you got me. You got me. You got me. That's fine. I can't see giving $7 a week to the church extra after all I already give. That's because your life ain't been altered. Your money ain't been altered. Your money still got you. But the Lord says, I want you to have your money. And the way I know that you got your money is because you're willing to lay it on the altar. See, the problem is we can't see worth for nothing. That's what my mom would say. You can't see worth for nothing. What do you mean, Pastor? Listen, sacrifice brings clarity. How you know? Here it is. Abraham's walking, and he says, the Bible says, and he looks up after the third day. That's my time. 
After the third day, he looks up and he sees the mountain. Watch this. What you want me to say? I'm good. Okay. Okay. He sees a mountain after the third day. Watch this. He has to keep going up the mountain to the altar in order to see something different. What do you mean? On the third day, there's a mountain. What he does not know is that on that mountain, there's a ram. But you can't get to the place where your sacrifice becomes a miracle, where your sacrifice becomes a blessing until you get to the altar. It is at the place of the altar. What was just a mountain is now a ram. The Bible says, and he looks up and looks behind him and there's a ram in the bush. The ram had been there already. But because he wasn't at the place of the altar, he couldn't see it. Let me tell you something. God wants to take the plans that he has for your life to the next place, but you can't see it unless you go to the altar. It is at the place of the altar that God uh, opens your eyes, pull back the veil, and tell you there is something else here for you. But you don't get that on, on the bottom of the mountain. You got to trust me enough to climb it. You got to trust me enough to build the altar. You got to trust me enough to tie that thing up. You got to trust me enough to actually put it on the altar. You got to trust me enough to almost put the fire to it so that I can tell you, now look again. Look again. What God, listen, oh, listen. The plan was that God was going to bless Abraham's seed. He was going to be father of many nations. So you know what that means? What that really means is the next plan, the next part of the plan was Isaac. Isaac was the one. Abraham was done having kids. Isaac was the one. Because remember, as you read through the text of Scripture, we hear he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Isaac was the next phase of the plan. What God is saying to you is, the thing, oh God, I, whoo, whoo, whoo. the thing that I'm calling you to sacrifice is the thing that I want to use for the next part of your life. So if I'm calling you to give more money, that's because I want to use that money in the next section of your life. If I'm calling you to give up some relationships, that's because I want to lose a relationship in the next part of your life. You got to be willing to put it on the altar. Y'all with me? Y'all ain't acting like you're with me. Y'all quiet. Either you're scared to death, because God knows I'm preaching good right here. I'm going to buy this CD myself, and we don't even sell them. Listen, so now they're on the altar. He lifts it up. God says, hey, 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 don't kill your son, your only son. Look behind you. There's a ram. You sure did. Abraham, Abraham, you know, if you look through the text of Scripture, God calls your name twice, like Martha, Martha, there's some stuff that he wants to correct. Don't kill him. Don't hurt him. There's a ram. He turns around, gets the ram. He kills him. Kills the ram instead of his son. That's because something still had to die. So watch. Remember we started this out. God says, as the text says, and God tested Abraham. It's exam day in Abraham's life. But what we really find out at the end is that although Abraham was tested, God was the student. What? God? Yes. God was the student. How do you know? Because God says, hey, Abraham, now I know. Watch. This thing right here tripped me out because I'm like, what do you mean now you know? As if there was something you didn't know. God says, yeah, it is, Tim. Although I am the all-knowing God, when it comes to you, I've given you your own will. And because I am hoping for the best for Abraham, I didn't know if Abraham was going to turn around halfway. And although I'm testing Abraham, 
I'm the one that's learning. He says, so what you got to see this now as, this is really not Abraham in school. It's really I'm in school. It's called lab. I'm in lab. And he says, Tim, I want you to tell my people that in this season I'm in labs. I am doing a research to see if all that I have invested in them up until this point, if they're going to handle it properly so we can go to the next level of planning in their lives. Listen, he, he says, Tim, I got a lot on the line here. He says, so think about this. Isaac, he could have turned Isaac around and said, we're not doing this. But I needed him to do it to see if I could trust him. I needed to know that he loved me enough to go to the next place. And I didn't know exactly what he was going to do. So I'm watching from afar. Like, don't turn around. Please, son, don't turn around. Don't turn around. I need you. I need you and I need Isaac. Here's the other thing. He could have went on and killed Isaac. And then God would have had to make another plan. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. We don't want to wrestle with that. We don't want to wrestle with that. God had to make another plan. Oh, my God. Woo. God's used to making other plans. He made Adam and Eve to live in the garden. But because they messed up, there was a plan B. His name was Jesus. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He's used to making other plans. So he ain't tripping, but he had one thing in mind. And God is asking you, can he trust you in this sacrificial season? He is testing you because he needs to learn what he's going to do with you next. He's just sitting there watching. And then when Abraham put that boy on that altar, hey, it's like, y'all seen the show, what would, you, what would You Do? Was it uh, Keonis? Don Keonis, John, whatever his name is. And he had to go in there and almost break up a fight. Because these people be like, hey, hey, you're not going to do that in here. And he's like, ho, 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 ho. Hey, my name is Don Keonis and I'm with What Would You Do show. And people be like, oh, it's the same way up there at the altar. God was like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on, Abraham, hold on, hold on. I just wanted to see what you was going to do. Abraham was like, oh, really, God? Because you know I'm about to kill this boy for you, right? <laughs> and he says, yeah, I know. And because you were, I'm getting ready to pronounce the same blessing I pronounced over you some years ago, but I'm pronouncing it with a different intensity because now I have learned. I spoke a thing over you because I'm God. But now I'm speaking this thing over you because I know that you are worth what I spoke. So I'm going to speak it again over you. God wants to know in this sacrificial season, are you willing to put it on the altar? You willing? See, that's the whole notion behind the altered life. My pastor would say that when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Jesus wasn't down with the plan. We know that. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Think about it. Hey, can you do this another way? But because Jesus was altered, what well, my pastor says, because he had the cross tattooed on his heart, he says, I'm not. I'm going to do it the way you want to do it. So pastor says that when they went to the garden and they came and arrested Jesus, Jesus, because his life was altered, what he put on the altar was his ability to kill anything that he created. And he allowed what he created to arrest him. Come on. The creation subdued what he has dominion over. And he had to give up just so he could finish the next part of the plan. And think about it. Had God not been able to trust Jesus... In his season of sacrifice, you wouldn't have salvation. You'd be on your way to hell right now. How much does God want to do in your life? There are people who will get saved because you're willing to go well, go through this season well. Lives will be changed because you're willing to go through this season well. He's calling you. Because there's some power in sacrifice. What does God know about you? Does he know you're willing to give it up for him? Or does he know that it's all about being convenient? Like, God, if it's convenient for me, I'll do it. You know, you know, you know, like, like if, 
if I'm on that way, I'll give you a ride. I ain't going in that direction. In other words, I'm not getting ready to sacrifice my time or gas for you because that's not the direction I'm going in. Do you deal with God that way? When he says, hey, I'm calling you to a season of your effort, leveraging your relationships, giving $7 more, are you willing to build the altar and put it on there? Because I'll give you a hint. He just wants to know if you're willing to do it. He wants to see you lay it up there. He's willing to give you the ram in the bush. Something has to be given. But remember, he gives seed to the sower. You hear me? In Abraham's case, he gives sacrifice to the sacrificer. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. There was no need to put a ram in the bush if, if Abraham wasn't willing to sacrifice. If you ain't willing to give it up, why would God keep giving it to you? If he gives seed to the sower, you must first be a sower. And how then does he know that you're a sower? Because you actually sow what's yours. And then he'll give you more to sow. Be willing to sacrifice. Be altered. I'm looking for people these days who are walking around with wood on their back, fire in one hand, and a knife in another. That's when I know you're ready to sacrifice. I know you're ready to build an altar wherever you stay in. Come on, we live in a day and age now that people build their offices wherever they are, in an airport, in a Starbucks, they just whip it out, and I'm in the office. I want to know, can you build an altar room right where you are? You ready to give up some stuff? So he can go to the next part of the plan in your life? In the life of this church? Are you ready? You can't outgive him. Can't outgive him. So I dare you. Clean it all out and lay it up on the altar. Not just money. Come on, give up the secret stuff you're keeping back. The stuff you're telling him, hey, I, 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 I don't want you to touch this just yet. I'm, I'm working on it. Just hold tight. Go on and open the door and say, you know what? Go on, take it. Habits, thoughts addictions, plans that you know you ain't consulted with him on, attitudes, unforgiveness, lay it up there. Lay it up there. I know, I know they might have hurt you. They were probably guilty. I get it. Lay it up on that altar and watch what he does with it. Watch him. Because this is the season of sacrifice. Let's stand.